Get autographed copies of New York Times bestselling author Cynthia Bryan's books at www.starstyleradio.com. Get inspired and motivated to be your best self with Be The Star You Are, 99 Gifts, and Be The Star You Are for Teens. Buy cases at a deep discount to give away as gifts and premiums. Visit www.starstyleradio.com or call 925-377-STAR. 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 for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. Well, today we're going to have a flower power party right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. Hello, I am Cynthia Bryan. Thank you for joining me. We're coming to you live on the Be the Star You Are show uh, from... Voice America, this is the Empowerment Channel, and we know that you are going to be inspired and motivated to get into your garden today, because if you love roses, I have the most amazing guests coming on. David Austin's English roses are some of the most fragrant, adaptable, and glorious roses on the planet. I absolutely love them, and Michael Marriott, who is a global rose guru, will be live with us um, in our second segment he'll be live from England and we're going to be discussing everything coming up roses planting pruning choosing whatever it is so if you've ever stuck your nose into the petals of a rose and inhaled in that glorious glorious ecstasy you're going to love this program so you want to make sure to stay tuned and turn up the volume well the miracle moment for today is brought to you by Be the Star You Are charity that brings you this um, program as well as bringing you all the other uh, programs that are helping with literacy around the country. And we've also been doing a lot of disaster relief. So please visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. And, of course, I have to have a rose quote. It's from William Shakespeare, Romeo and Juliet. That which we call a rose by any other word would smell as sweet. Roses are red and they're pink and salmon and yellow, orange, purple, white mauve and available in a plethora of color combinations and variety choices. I know we all know that poem, you know, roses are red, violets are blue. But, you know, roses really are a very versatile uh, flower. And just with a little bit of knowledge, roses 
I think are just one of the easiest plants to grow. And they provide here in California at least 10 to 11 months worth of beautiful blossoms. Because our California climate is warmer, my roses are actually still blooming profusely, although I have been in the process of performing my annual winter pruning. Uh, Of course, as I prune now, it makes me sad to have to cut off these uh, stems, so I am bringing flowers into the house for indoor arrangements. And then I'm using any of the fallen blossoms in my potpourri, which I am giving away um, in with the book. So if you go and you buy my new book, which is Growing with the Goddess Gardener, it's available at CynthiaBryan.com forward slash online hyphen store, or just go to CynthiaBryan.com, click on books, and you'll you'll get there. And when you buy a book from the website, you're going to get a whole package of extra goodies. You'll get some seeds and bookmarks and an autographed copy and an autographed photo. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, the potpourri. Yes, a fresh potpourri with my roses in it. So it's kind of an exciting gift. So again, go to CynthiaBryan.com uh, forward slash books or just click on books when you get there but I just love my roses and many gardeners that I know I work with they shy away from roses because they assume they are just so fussy and demanding and you know in order to be sustainable you know they have to put in a lot of work but in my experience I have really found roses to be the bedrock of my multi-purpose gardens now Coming up this month, uh, January and February, are really the perfect months to plant your bare root roses. So whether you are planning to purchase bare root or containerized roses, you want to follow some simple instructions for success. No matter what, this goes with any kind of plant, is you always want to buy healthy specimens. You always want to choose your plants carefully because when you get a damaged, a diseased, or a dried plant, it just doesn't recover. And in actuality, it could cause other problems for the rest of your specimens in your garden. So that goes for whether you're buying roses or any plant at all. Now, when it comes to roses, roses usually like to get about six hours of sunshine a day. So you want to uh, choose a rosy sunny site you know obviously there are roses that will grow in shadier areas but for most of them they're going to want to have a little bit more sunshine you want to enrich your soil roses like an acidic soil ph should be around 6.5 if you test your soil and uh, i'm always always mixing in a lot of rich organic matter That also allows for good drainage, but is going to allow the root system to to thrive and to really take control. Now, from container roses, soak the roses for at least a half an hour, and then you allow all the water to drain. That is if you are buying a rose in a container, you know, in one of those plastic pots. You just still want to soak it before you are going to plant it. Now, if you are getting bare root, I usually put my bare roots, you follow the instructions. There's usually instructions on the on the packaging, first of all, I should mention. But I just usually 
I cut off the packaging and I put it in a bucket of water overnight. And that seems to just do the trick to make sure that the the roots do not dry out. When it comes to planting roses, you want, you know, two or three feet apart for air circulation. I I used to, well, I still have one formal rose garden, but my real my thing that I do now is I mix roses in with all of my other uh, plants because I want to attract beneficial insects and um and pollinators to the garden. And it just seems that the roses thrive, everybody thrives when you mix things up a little bit. Now, after you dig your hole, add compost or your rotted material. And you want to put the bud union maybe about two to three inches below the ground. Then I also, after you've put, um, you've put it in, I put mulch right into the hole, a little bit more of some more rotted material. And um, and then I water it really deeply. Now, one of the reasons you want to have the mulch in there is you don't ever want to water your roses from overhead because, you know, and even rain happens. Black spot spores, they germinate whenever the leaves are wet. And then fungus has to be killed with a fungicide before it enters the leaf tissue. Now, you can dust or spray your roses before it rains. But on a regular uh, basis, when you're watering roses, it's better to, to water them from below. Always water deeply uh, in the soil and keep the soil, you want it moist but not soggy. You, um, again, overhead sprinklers aren't recommended because, you know, it's just like anything. If it dries out, it, it then you're going to probably get some powdery mildew or you'll get some other problem. So, By just keeping track of your watering, your roses are going to be happy. Springtime, you're going to fertilize. Now, what I've always done is, um, and this is just kind of, maybe it's, we're going to ask Michael about it, but I've also always added some alfalfa pellets, and I usually mix it with diatomaceous earth, and I add it to the bottom of my roses and work it into the soil. And uh, it seems to keep them, you know, pretty, pretty healthy. Uh, The alfalfa supplies some nitrogen, calcium, phosphorus, and other nutrients. Obviously, you don't want to overdo with nitrogen. Otherwise, you're just going to get a lot of leaves and not a a lot of flowers. And then (laughs) throughout the year, I'm always just throwing my coffee grinds and my tea leaves and anything like that. Plus, uh, banana peels, I throw them into wherever I have roses and, you know, they decompose and everybody just seems pretty happy. And then, of course, you always want to encourage the beneficial insects to visit your roses because that keeps the diseases away. I mix um, lavenders and bulbs and other pollinating attracting plants into my rose beds and then I have fewer pests that I have to fight. Now, January and February is the heavy pruning season and Michael will talk to us more about that. He's really a, a, an expert in all things that are rose. But he did share some of his insights with me because he just did a, a rose pruning clinic. And I know here in the States there are rose pruning clinics going on. But it would sure be great to take one from Michael Marriott because he's very fun and he really knows the different the best ways to prune, and, and he's not uh, fancy or fussy about it. These David Austin roses have really become some of my favorites, mostly because they have a resistance to disease. They have 
gorgeous shapes. They have all different kinds of foliage, different flowers. Some of them are very full, you know, and and almost look like uh, peonies. And, of course, the fragrance is just amazing to me. Now, um, Michael had sent me some of his pruning instructions, so I'm going to briefly go over a few things, and then we'll go into more depth when we get um, Michael uh, here with us. But why do you prune? So, of course, it's imperative to prune roses annually because in that way you can maintain the shape and the blooming qualities of the rose. You'll keep your plant healthy and you will stimulate growth by removing any weak, dead, or diseased canes. What do you need as far as tools or loppers, shears, saw, gloves? I just I use um, shears and loppers, and I always sterilize my tools with alcohol before I use them, and I make sure that they're sharp because I don't want to damage my plants at all. And I I always prune, well, I think you're supposed to always prune during the dormant months. So for us here in California, it's January and February. When you start pruning a little bit later, like if you were waiting until March, it's going to be detrimental to the plant because they're going to start, they're going to be starting to sprout. And then what happens is the plant's energy is going to be depleted. And of course, then you get a frost and it really could hurt the plant. If possible, you want to prune above a bud on a slight angle. For a large group of shrub roses, you can use a hedge trimmer. So like I have some carpet roses and I do just use a hedge trimmer on them. It's not, you know, it's not optimum because you, you're probably tearing some of the branches, but it works really well, especially when you have a lot, a lot of roses to do. Then there, when you're talking about how much to prune on a heavy pruning, maybe a half to a third of the original plant, and then you can thin out any of the dead wood, the spindly wood, any of that. So that really, really helps. And then, of course, clean up. You want to rake up all the leaves, the stems, and the roses. And uh, I use, if if the roses aren't patented, you can share the healthy canes, you know, and plant them in other areas of your garden. So we're going to go to a break because I want to get Michael here on the on the show with us, he'll be live, and he is going to inspire you with his knowledge. So Michael Marriott from David Austin Roses coming right up right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Be the star you are. The star you us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a Dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world, lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR, 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 and visit www.cynthiabryan.com. 
When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan, www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's power time on Star Style. Beat the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is calling out to me. Well, I'm so glad that you stayed with us here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Thank you very much. Uh, We're having a little bit of technical issue and not able to connect with England at the moment and Michael Marriott. So I thought I would just continue talking to you about uh, roses and some of the David Austin roses because I am just, I really, really do like them. But first of all, why don't we, um, why don't I explain to you what is an English rose? Because this is something that for the past 30 years, Michael Marriott has been working on, has been to uh, to bring English roses to the acceptance and have people get to really know what they are and how good they are and, and all of that. So the English roses, they form a comparatively new group of roses that really first just came to prominence in the 1970s, and they have changed the nature and character of roses throughout the world. And um, we want to think, and I, I would assume, I really believe, that it really is for the better. They originated from crosses that David Austin made between certain old roses and modern hybrid teas and floribundas. The object being to combine the charm and fragrance of an old rose with the wide color range and repeat flowering of a modern rose. So the main characteristics of the um, the English rose are the following. And I'm going to be uh, sharing this information with you, which was originally put together by David Austin. And if you're not familiar with who David Austin was, is that he really did start this whole idea of birthing the, um, the English rose. So, beauty of the flower. The form of flowers of English roses is very much that of an old rose. So, they could be cup-shaped, or they could be in the shape of a rosette, or they could be anything between the two. And they often have these numerous small petals. And it's the light between the petals that give them that very warm, glowing effect uh, of when you look at the, like I was telling you earlier, they sometimes they look like peonies. And that's what I think is so beautiful about them. English roses, they've been bred not so much for their color or even for their excessive flowering capacity, but really for how delicate they are, for their charm, and most of all the fragrance of the individual flowers. They have a terrific 
uh, pleasing growth pattern. They have a natural growth which makes them ideal plants for mixed borders and for gardens generally. And then the whole effect is that of a small shrub rather than a bedding plant. So you will find in the hybrid teas, the English roses are highly versatile plants and they can form shrubs that go four or five feet high or they can be even really short, no larger than a tea rose. Uh, They can have a bushy growth uh, or they can be really graceful and archering. You know, I I like the climbing and the rambling ones because they can go over arbors. I have a, a Gertrude Jekyll that is climbing over an arch and my gosh the fragrance is just so amazing when you walk under it you just you want to bottle it you know it's like one of these perfumes you want to bottle now some of the english roses are quite upright and they're suitable to place behind other plants and some of the really taller varieties are great as repeat flowering uh, climbers and so those are great to put on fences or Or again, you could put them on arbors. Now, when it comes to the foliage, an added pleasure that you'll gain from English roses is the beauty of their widely varying foliage, which it provides such a pleasing background to the flowers. And they have a truly delicious fragrance. Um, English roses are notable for their rich and their varying fragrances. You'll find not only examples of beautiful old rose fragrance, but you're going to find the fragrances of tea roses, that you're going to have fruity, musky, mirth. There's a whole variety of fragrances. And there's no other group of flowers that can really revive, you know, Um, that can rival them. Healthy. Now, what's really great about English uh, roses is how healthy they are. And that is something that is really, um, I think for gardeners, especially in this day and age when we're just so busy, you really want roses that are highly resistant to disease. And English roses are like that. And that's a, a result of years of experimentation in breeding programs. Now, the, while the beauty of the flower has to always take first place, they're always trying to improve the disease resistance of, their, of the roses. And so as a result, you're going to find that the roses are incredibly uh, disease resistant and they just really, you, you can put them just about anywhere and you'll see that they continue to bloom and they continue to, to flourish without you doing too much to them. Just as I was telling you earlier uh, of, of what I do as far as getting the roses to be healthy is... Um, is you can just continue with these varieties to, to make sure that they're going to be healthy roses. You'll find that the their disease resistance is absolutely top-notch. So it's another reason to get some of these English roses. In the garden, um, it should be pointed out that English roses really are ideal garden plants because they they go really well with other plants uh, with a natural growth. And if you happen to read my article for this week, it's called "Roses Are Red" in the La Mirinda Weekly, and you'd be able to find uh, find it at my website, CynthiaBryan.com, under um, 
articles, garden articles. I think it's been posted. If it hasn't been posted, it will be posted by the end of the show. So you'll be able to find it there. Is uh, You're going to see how beautiful roses are in mixed gardens with lots and lots of other flowers. And the reason to do that is because then you're going to attract fantastic pollinators, which is very, a very helpful thing. And then when people want to arrange flowers, you know, to, if you want to cut flowers, what a great thing to cut flowers. And there are... Um, they have such fragrance. I'm always bringing these flowers in the house to put in the kitchen and the bathrooms and all of that. And you can make these gorgeous displays when you mix them with other flowers as well. And you can actually copy perhaps some of the old Dutch masters. So that might be a fun thing to do. Now, uh, to get any David Austin roses, you can go to David Austin. David Austin Roses, it's Austin with an I, dot com, David Austin Roses dot com. And if you are ordering them online right now, you can get a 15% off discount with an offer code when you put UPA in it, UPA. And um, so that would be helpful. Now, many of your garden centers or your favorite nurseries will will uh, carry David Austin roses. So you may want to do that as well as to just to um, go to your nursery and see what they have. Uh, or you might be able to to order a catalog. So how can you use English roses in the American garden? As I said, these English roses are remarkably adaptable plants, and they can be used to excellent effect in so many different ways. So here are a few suggestions from David Austin and Michael Marriott, and if you require any further information, you can even contact their advisory staff because they are always very, very happy to help. So mixed borders. English roses uh, are shrub roses, and so... They look particularly fabulous and at home in a very mixed border. And this is where most people will grow them. The sumptuous blooms provide this welcome contrast to the lighter and the more airy flowers and a lot of the perennials. So the rose blooms provide the weight where it might otherwise be missing. And then the softer colors of the English roses, they harmonize perfectly with the roses of most other plants. Now, not least, the English roses, they continue to flower at just the time when many plants and shrubs are over. So you're always going to have plenty of flowers. And no roses are like, um, you know, no rose likes a lot of competition. So it's advisable to just surround them with plants that aren't invasive. So whenever possible, uh, plant in groups of three or more all together in a small border and then put single plants, you know, around as well because that also works. Now, what about a rose border? So a border of English roses is very hard to beat for the sheer exuberance of the flower and the fragrance. The roses will flower from late spring and early summer right through to the cooler weather of winter, providing a whole range of fabulous, delicious fragrances. Some people prefer to use a limited range of harmonizing colors, such as they'll only use whites, or they'll use the blush pinks, or they'll use you know, the deep rose or the crimson or the purple, 
or they'll just use a mixture, perhaps of maybe apricots and peaches. But you can do whatever you want. With the sophisticated shades of English roses, a mixture of the whole range of colors can also look great. I know I had a girlfriend one time, we were taking a walk, and we went by a rose garden, and it had all different kinds um, of roses and all different colors. And her comment was, it didn't look cohesive. She thought that it would be more, you know, it would look better if the whole garden had been one color, like maybe different shades of yellow or whites or all pinks or all reds. And I had to agree with her on those particular roses. The difference with these English roses is because the colors are a bit more muted. They're not these really super bright colors is that you probably uh, can just get away. I, I mix them up. So I think that, could, except for in my formal rose bed, in my formal rose bed, I keep one color, which is more on the purple tones. But you always, again, just like in any kind of flowers, plant in groups of three or more. I always like to plant in odd numbers, and that is with any perennial or even any color spot that I plant. Now, formal rose beds. There are a number of English roses that with a hard winter pruning, which we're doing right now, and then, you know, your your summer cutting back, that um, they will grow to three or to four feet. And the varieties really make a beautiful bedding roses. Now, some of those would be Olivia Rose Austin, uh, Sophie's Rose, Tamara, uh, Darcy, Busel, that would be a good one, or Munstead Wood. And they are short and bushy and they flower continuously. And in Larger beds, the range of possibilities becomes even wider. And then you can get taller varieties as well if you want to have taller varieties. For those of us who have a lot of space, you can plant a rose garden entirely or even partly with English roses. Now, you may want to mix it up because it is kind of good to mix things up. But it could be a conventional rose garden, or perhaps you just do a couple of long borders facing a path. You know, it, maybe it's intersected with some other plants. Uh, what I did in my rose garden, I only did, I did a um, kind of as they would in Europe, I did a boxwood hedge, and then I planted five roses around a fountain, and each of the roses has a brick enclosure. And then it's boxwood around that. And then I do have lavender in there, which helps bring the pollinators. Now, climbers, one of the most important developments that um, have happened with roses are climbers. And especially in the U.S. where the summer temperatures are often very are high, it might be a good idea to plant some, some, um, some climbers. And they can reach a height of maybe 8 to 10 feet. And that's ideal for people who would not wish to climb a tall ladder to prune. And you can still view them uh, very, very well and at eye level. So they'll just keep climbing and they'll uh, flower freely. And then they'll just branch along all the stem and you can just let them go. 
And then tree roses. There are no better tree roses than English roses for growing as tree roses. Because they're naturally white and bushy, they form these extra large heads. And ex, uh, English tea, tree roses are excellent for giving height in the garden. And they can also be used as a focal point or planted at intervals along the edge of a, of a path. And then, of course, we have the pots and the urns. A lot of people like to plant roses in pots. And especially if you have a miniature rose, it can be beautiful in a pot. Or if you have a really big urn, you could plant a big, uh, you know, you could plant a rose that would be tall. And that could be a focal point for a porch or a uh, patio. And um, the English roses are, are good with those again. Particularly if you live in a city and you don't have any room for a garden um, a bed of roses, then I think that you're going to be happy, very happy planting it that way. Now, roses can also make a great hedge or a lining for a path. And you have to use some of the stronger English roses if you want to hedge. And they will produce a massive color throughout the summer. And these hedges can be used along the front of a garden, facing the road, or perhaps as a low hedge to divide one part of the garden from another. And then again, you know, cutting roses for your um, for your uh, arrangements is really the way to go because w- with their fragrance, bringing them indoors just really makes it just completely delicious. Well, when we come back from bro- from break, I'm not sure if Michael's going to make it, but if he's not, I'll talk about some of the classifications of English roses and, um, and then we'll just have a, a little bit more discussion of what you'll need to do to keep your roses healthy and glorious throughout the year and how to cultivate your roses. You are listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. I will be right back. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Relationships are the foundation of any process, including the sales process. The relationship you will have with your customer or client is in direct proportion to the amount of time and commitment you give to your customer. It's critical to always ask what's important to their personal success so that the company can look good. You need to know who your buyers are and what motivates them by building sincere rapport. Keep in mind that business relationships are not that much different from personal relationships. A starting point must be based on truth, on honesty, and on the willingness to understand the needs of the other person. And the best way to understand is to ask pertinent questions. Once you have built a solid relationship, nurture it and always offer value. Make your customer feel that he or she is the most important person in the world. You will be rewarded for your efforts with increased sales and referrals. Remember, you are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For more information, visit CynthiaBryan.com. That's CynthiaBryan.com. 
www.thepowerofthenow.com. Be the star you are. The star you are. The annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be The Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376, 376, Moraga, California, 94556. Bethestarur.org. Dare to care. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is calling out to me. Well, I do appreciate you staying with me. And unfortunately... Somehow we are not able to connect with Michael Marriott from David Austin Roses in England today. So I'm probably going to have to have him on another show uh, and hopefully we'll be able to make that happen. But in the meantime, I hope that you will pick up a copy of my brand new book, Growing with the Goddess Gardener. You can find it at CynthiaBryan.com. Just click on books and It'll take you to the online store, and I think you'll really love it because life did begin in the garden, and garden is where nature and nurture converge. It's a calming oasis where we can listen to the call of the wild and sometimes even tame the shrew. So whether you consider yourself a brown thumb or a green thumb, growing with the goddess gardener is going to enchant, inspire, and motivate you to get up off the couch power down your gadgets and go outside to smell the roses. I wrote the book to be a brilliant bouquet of 12 months of heartfelt true short stories celebrating living, loving, laughing, and learning in the garden. And then a full calendar's year's worth of tips, tricks, and to-do lists. These are guides that will help you in your quest of mindfully cultivating your own fresh fruits, vegetables, and flowers and following chapters so in your hands will be the power to make the world a more beautiful place while you connect and collaborate with mother nature on your terms i invite you to my personalized garden party so that you can get going and start sewing with growing so go to cynthiabryan.com and click on books Now, back to roses. I do admit that roses are definitely one of my very, very favorite uh, plants for the garden because they they constantly are blooming. And I really don't find that it's a ton of effort to 
to keep the roses healthy and blooming for the amount of, of beauty that they give me. The only thing I would do wish, although there are a few species that are like this, is I wish they didn't have so many thorns. You have to wear really good gloves. I am constantly, constantly covered, it seems, in, <laughs> in pricks from the thorns on rose bushes. So the classifications of uh, English roses, for enthusiasts, English roses are divided into four groups, and each are very different in breeding and character. And there's also a group of English climbing roses and English rambler roses. But the one thing that the groups have in common is that they were all originally the result of crossing old roses with a modern hybrid tea. And even though this may be far back in their ancestry, each of the four groups of English shrub roses has a different character and they each have their own beauty. So maybe this character um, classification will help you as a gardener to understand the range of English roses and appreciate the different beauty of each. So the English old rose hybrids. Now, These are the original English roses, and they have much of the character of a true old rose, you know, the Gallicas, the Damas, although they do vary widely between a variety and another. Like the old roses, their colors are beautiful, soft shades of pink, crimson, and purple, and they usually form these small, bushy shrubs, and they have a repeat flowering. They have a very strong fragrance, often that old rose fragrance and they make excellent garden roses and they really mingle well with other plants. The second group is called the Leander group. Now, the Leander group leans a little bit more towards the modern roses in character, more so than the old rose hybrids, although their flowers are still a typical old rose formation. They usually form large, robust shrubs, and they have these elegant arching growth. The flowers are large and gracefully poised on the branch, and they provide a very pleasing effect. The colors are wide-ranging, including yellows, and they even have some kind of flame red shades. Their fragrance is very strong, sometimes the old rose type, but sometimes more of a tea rose or a myrrh. And the scents are frequently mixed with some fruity undertones. So you might smell raspberry or lemon or even apple. Now, the English musk roses, I really like the musk roses, they were bred by crossing the original old rose hybrids with the noisettes. And like the noisettes, they're a lighter, both in flower and growth, than their previous two groups. But they look very dainty, and they're really charming. And their colors have a softness that is uh, really appealing in a rose because there's really light blush, you know, fresh pink, soft yellows, soft colors, soft apricot, soft peach. And the musk rose fragrance is missing, except in a few varieties, nearly all the other fragrances are to be found in these roses, sometimes mingled with the musk scent. The Alba rose hybrids, these are the most recent roses of the English rose family, and the difference lies in their wild rose growth, which makes them suitable not only for more formal plantings, but for wild areas of your garden. Their breeding originated in crosses between the Alba roses and the English roses. They have a very light, airy growth with foliage of a similar nature, 
And their colors at present are largely confined to pinks. But the colors are very dainty. And some gardeners find these um, these um, Alba-Rose hybrids to be the prettiest of all. Now, climbing English roses. Not everybody's aware that English roses include some very beautiful climbing varieties. In fact, it could be claimed that the English roses never look better than when they're climbing on a wall or a fence where they look down upon us because you're looking up at them. The taller varieties are also ideally suited to arches and obelisks and trellises and pillars. And they do equally well in whatever direction they face. It doesn't matter if they're north or south or wherever the sun is particularly strong. Protection from the heat of the afternoon could be valuable to them. Um, They're not a breed in their own right, but simply a variety that can be grown as a shrub or a climber, just depending on how you prune it, getting back to that all-important pruning. The English rambling roses are also a new group of roses, and they should not be grown as shrubs because they're really vigorous. They look particularly beautiful when grown on a pergola, where their canes can be trained and I think those are probably the best ways to, um, to work with those roses. Now, cultivation of roses and roses in landscaping, because this is something that, that people often are asking about. So in order to cultivate um, roses, as I was saying earlier, I think they're really easy to grow, and I think they're a very tolerant plant and you just have to do a few basic things to get them going and starting on the right foot now I already gave you what I do as far as whether to plant bare root or if you're going to plant um, to take it from a container but you do want to make sure that you get a site with you know four to six hours of sunshine a day that really does help generally roses won't flourish where their roots have too much competition from roots of other plants like trees and hedges so be careful when you're planting that the distances if you have the space english roses um, old roses and other shrub roses look superb planted in groups of three or more in one variety and then they'll grow together to form kind of a very dense shrub which will make a continuous display and it'll be a real De, uh, you know, a statement for a border. They grow in a wide range of soils, but they do like good soil preparation with a lot of rotted organic matter, and roses like acid a lot more. Feeding and generously mulching and deep watering is going to encourage the strong growth, and it'll encourage more flowers, but always water from the ground. And the best way to keep your roses healthy is to choose those disease-resistant varieties and grow them as well as possible. Do not get a, uh, you know, don't buy a rose if it looks like it's dying. Even if it's on sale, that really doesn't work because it probably will not recover. And then the pruning for winter is the, the pruning for winter is just, is the most important thing. And that's what we're doing right now. January and February, it's the best time. And in regions with really cold winters, pruning can be delayed a little longer. But you have to remove the very weak, the old, the woody, and the diseased stems. Now, 
uh, once flowering shrub roses, those are some of the old roses like the gallicas, the damas, and the albas, and a few of the 20th century shrubs. And this is something that Michael has rec- uh, recommended. The flowering shoots are only produced from the stems that are at least a year old. So shoots produced from the base aren't going to produce any flowers. So hard pruning would result in few or no flowers and in an unattractive plant. So on these, little or no pruning is required the first couple of years. And then the once the plant has reached its maximum height, maybe after it's two to four years old, then you can reduce the height of the plant by a third each year when the oldest stems start looking old and tired, maybe in year five or six. And you can cut them out to encourage new young stems from the base. Or alternatively, prune simply by cutting out the older shoots and not reducing the height at all. Now, Michael recommends for repeat flowering shrub roses, and these are the English roses, some of the old roses like the hybrid perpetuals and the Portlands, and, um, and most of the 20th century shrub roses. The flowers are produced on new stems coming right from the base and from side stems on older existing stems. So they could be pruned hard to within a few centimeters of the ground, and they would still flower, but of course, that's going to spoil how they look. So just reduce the height by a third or two-thirds, and that'll give them good balance. The severity depends on how large you want the plant to grow in any situation and how well it is grown. So help to keep the plant young by cutting out the oldest stems. And then bush roses, you know, hybrid teas, floribundas, patios, the miniatures, um, aim The aim, I think, for these is to keep them relatively short. So hard pruning, you want to reduce the height by two-thirds to three-quarters is the norm. Lighter pruning can be practiced on the floribundas and the miniatures down to a half or a third of the original height, but should be accompanied by some rigorous thinning out of the stems. That's really to help disease control. Any species roses, these are being their original or near the hybrids of their wild plant, they can pretty much be neglected. So just let them go. And then the climbing roses, of course, you want them to grow and cover an area as quickly as possible. So they may not need any pruning until you just want to maybe touch them up a little bit. Flowers are produced on side shoots, which are usually about 12 to 24 inches long. And the side shoots can be reduced to about three or four buds Although, um, if they're reduced to a single bud, you know, it's very nice and neat, but it might not have as many flowers. Standard roses are formed from budding uh, any of the above onto a special stump. So, essentially, the same pruning methods should be applied. And remember that being on a tall stem, they're going to be more susceptible to wind damage. And, they'll, and um, so, you may have to prune them harder than normal and thin them out a little bit more. So general maintenance for roses, just to give an overview before we end our show today, is you want to keep your roses healthy. Give them plenty of food in the springtime. You know, give them um, organic mulching. Water deeply when the soil starts to dry out because dry soil will encourage poor flowering. And as I said earlier, the flowering mildew. Try to give them six, four to six hours of sunshine and don't let water get on their leaves because that's going to encourage black spot. 
fertilizer, rose food a couple of times a year, usually in the spring, early summer is good. Don't give too much nitrogen or you're just going to get soft growth. Throw your banana peels on them. You want to fight off the pests and diseases. That's good if you do some companion planting because then you will invite um, beneficials into the garden. And I would encourage you to go to the website of davidaustinroses.com and you could also um, check out Michael Marriott's uh, websites as well because uh, Michael is a, um, a technical manager. He's a senior rosarian of David Austin Roses, but he's one of the world's most respected rose experts, and he's also a garden designer, and he designs gardens literally all over the world. So Michael Marriott, and he has a, um, a word press. You can reach him through David Austin Roses. But you could look up on uh, WordPress, Michael Marriott, and you would find his, uh, his blog spot. So hopefully you have gotten a little bit of information today. I'm really sorry that we weren't able to connect with Michael. It's so disappointing because he's such a lively character and he's just so much fun to have on the show. And I know we've all been looking forward to it, but... Sometimes it just doesn't work. So um, Michael's website again, michaelmarriottrosarian.wordpress.com, michaelmarriottrosarian.wordpress.com. And for information, you can find more information at cynthiabryan.com, and there will be more information posted at starstyleradio.com. So thank you once again for being great listeners. And allowing me to be with you every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific, coming to you live on the Voice America Network. This is the Empowerment Channel. If you get a chance, head over to bethestarur.org and make a donation. You can still make a donation for last year if you write a check and send it to P.O. Box 376. Moraga, California, 94556. We uh, really would appreciate getting a heads up on the year. And if you go to greatnonprofits.org, you can read some of the reviews where uh, people are saying that other charities should see how we treat our volunteers because we really care about them. My aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate you. I always want you to see beyond your physical being, know you that you're already the star that you dreamed of becoming. And for the book this week, pick up a copy of Growing with the Goddess Gardener. Go to CynthiaBryan.com and click on books. Remember that you are the greatest, you are the best. I think you are the coolest and I want you just to be you. And until next week when we celebrate once again, remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan for Star Style. I thank you and I encourage you to be the star you are. Have a wonderful week. Dream, create, inspire, and make sure to prune your roses. And we'll talk again next Wednesday, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Empowerment on Star Style. Be the star you are. Thanks for joining me. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are.
been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit StarStyleRadio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are.